We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you. I'm coming to you after midnight on March 18th, right after the Mavericks just really thoroughly beat the Los Angeles Clippers 105 to 89. Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this That was a hell of a game. Uh, I wasn't. I kind of you. I think you tweeted it earlier that you thought the Mavericks were going to win like yesterday or Monday night. Yes, yes I did. Uh, and I and I was looking at it. I was like, yeah, I don't think I would be too shocked uh, if they did, even after what we saw on Monday, which really wasn't that bad. I think we were both pretty okay with the performance in terms of like effort um, and and how hard they were working. It was just a. They just kind of got out talented that game, and this game they kind of brought that same effort. And but this time they hit some shots, and Luca was god. And the Clippers did not hit shots. No, they shot. They shot forty three percent from three in the first game. It was fourteen of thirty two. Tonight they were nine of thirty two. That is a fifteen percent difference swing, and fifteen. Let's see here. Is my math right? Yeah. 15 literal literal points on the board, which ended up being the difference in the game. It was... Literally, yeah, basically the difference. I, I you know, there, there are some... There are a few, like, glaring negatives in this game, but I'm not even sure if I want to talk about them because overall, the things we've been wanting and hoping to see, you know, past Luca, I think we should circle back and talk about Luca. But first, I want to talk about the game of, of Josh Richardson, who played 39 minutes, scored 14 points, grabbed five rebounds, had two assists, three steals, a block, and a single turnover, and was just everywhere. 
I, I felt his impact with just about every second or third possession. It was so much fun watching him play basketball tonight. Yeah, it was, I mean, that last game he scored six points in 30 minutes and outside of those six points, you just did not notice him at all. Like you, he was invisible and you could honestly say for all 39 of his minutes, you felt, like you said, you felt his impact and you saw him making a difference in the game. He had two, two backcourt turnovers that he forced one, like a legitimate steal diving for the loose ball. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, and that got, that kind of set the tone, I think uh, for that game. Cause that happened er- somewhat early on. It was in the first half. And I think the Mavericks kind of fed off that energy for the rest of the game. And then he had another one where he kind of played up again and he didn't get the steal, but he forced the bad pass and, and, and a turnover bouncing off Reggie Jackson's hands. He was a legitimate badass. He guarded uh, Paul George and Kawhi uh, for most of the night. I mean, he, 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 he couldn't guard both, but he, I mean, he would have if he could uh, at the same time, but uh, that's just not how uh, basketball works. But he, man, that was, that was, that was a difference making effort. And, I think his performance kind of uh, exemplifies the remarkable turnaround from the non-Luca starters from Monday's game to uh, tonight's game. I mean, outside of Luca and KP, I believe the starters had 17 points. And I mean, Richardson alone had 14. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 12. Mac, uh, no, I had 15 and Maxi had 12. Now, they were basically the only five guys who played sure. uh, tonight. So it makes sense that they would get, but I mean, those guys also played like 30 to 33 minutes uh, Monday night. So, I mean, it's a, it's not the, I think what's frustrating about the Mavericks is it's not a hard formula for them to win games. You know, Luca is awesome. Everyone else does just enough. Doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a superstar does just enough. And that's probably what makes those losses frustrating because it's like, it, you know, Monday, it's like, man, it's not just that they play poor. Like Maxi Kleba had th- three three points in 35 minutes on Monday, and he has 12 points in 40 minutes tonight. And it makes it – I mean, it just makes a big difference. And, you know, that's something – you know, a larger conversation about why that happens. But, I mean, this is the blueprint for, for them to be successful. And if they want to win a first – if they want to get out of these play-in games – if they want to win a first round matchup, which uh, unless, you know, they can keep climbing, it's going to probably be a difficult matchup, you know, because the top four teams in the West are going to be really good uh, unless, unless, hey, you know, who knows where the Mavericks end up in the standings. But this is what has to happen. You know, Luka is going to be Luka. Uh, I think he's proven enough times that when he has a quote unquote bad game, which I don't think we would say he was horrible on Monday, but after the game, if you listen to his quotes, he was very mad and he basically blamed that game on himself with all the shots he missed near the basket. I mean, he, I mean, the way he flips a switch from bad game to good game and like he takes a bad game, processes it, and then just does like the opposite and just goes nuts the very next game. Like that's special stuff. Uh, and I don't know what else to say, but it's it was nice that Luca had one of these crazy all universe performances, and his teammates did just enough to to get the win. Well, I want to circle back to Luca. You said about five other things that I want to I know, circle sorry. back to. It was great. There, there. This was no. This is the kind of game where you ramble because it was the good kind. It's fun. The next guy who I think we really ought to talk about 
is Chris Stapps Porzingis. And I just checked his game logs while you were talking. This is the first game all season where he has more rebounds than he does points. He finished with 11 points and 13 rebounds. He had two blocks. He also had four turnovers because he was 5 of 14 from the field, 1 for 4 from 3, but his impact was noticeable. And this is the sort of game that we as Mavericks fans can really build off of and hope for because he did not have a good offensive game. In fact, they coddled him and let him do some things that really he's not good at. This is the sort of stuff I get mad about. They, they force fed him some, some attempts and he really tried to work himself. You know, he really kind of, he tried to make things happen in a way that isn't really conducive for a team like the Clippers who have all this length and are really sort of, they're just built to frustrate you because they're just always in passing lanes. And, but on the other end of the court on defense, he played, you know, 13 rebounds is not nothing. That was really impressive. He was yeah, three he was, offensive rebounds too, which has been your thing. Huge you've been for the Mavericks when he gets mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. So I was really pleased to see him not pout. Uh, there are times in games where you can visibly see him become disinterested or at least lose some kind of his energy because he's not involved in the offense. And he had a really nice offensive start to this game and then went like 20 minutes where he looked like butt. But it didn't matter because he kept playing hard on defense and the Mavericks didn't get carved up by Zubak this game. That was really exciting. You know, that Willie Cauley-Stein also played a small part in that, which was nice to see. So it was just, I was... I was really, you know, like like bolstered about what KP can bring if he's going to have an off night. This felt a lot like aspects of last season where, and I took it for granted then, frankly, where he he was really good on defense, but kind of eh on offense, and the Mavericks won the game. And so if they're able to get even an okay performance from KP, they might have won this game by 20. I mean, it was was nuts. So so I'm really pleased with him. Yeah, if he's he's the rim defender that he was – last season like the offense stuff we will probably let slide because i mean there were moments last year where he was a legitimate like not just like good defender but i'm talking like you know like top 10 top 12 defenders in the league in terms of his defensive impact on the game and the way he was guarding the rim Uh, i mean he was really good last season uh so and that can you know i mean what's the old adage that you can play you know defense travels you know your jumper, your offense sometimes doesn't. And like, you know, this is the yeah. perfect example of that. Like he, he can play like this every single game and yeah, his, he, his offense might come and go because it's really jumper heavy right mm-hmm. now. And I think you saw that tonight, you know, he, he, you know, he shot a lot of jumpers, the Clippers kind of forced him to do that. Uh, but he also yeah, likes shooting jumpers. He does but... like shooting jumpers. Uh, <laughs> and he, you know, he posted up like 18 feet from the basket a couple times and, and had bad turnovers, but that you know, like you said, you I mean he was still plus nine, and you know the thirteen rebounds and two blocks. Like, if this is the def- if he can give this kind of consistent defensive effort, I mean, this is where you start seeing the ceiling of the Mavericks kind of just creep up a little bit higher than you might think in your head because this is something that they don't really have from this. Is, like, they don't have this from anyone else on the roster. Um, I know. You know, Maxi used to be a terror at the rim guarding it. And that, you know, the way the Mavericks use him now, 
and maybe some, you know, some some regression there from his first two seasons in the league. He's just not that kind of guy anymore. And, you know, it's not all his fault. You know, the Mavericks use him in a lot of different ways that, that keep him away from the rim. Uh, and the other Mavs bigs, you know, Boban and Powell and Willie, like they just they're not guys that can <laughs> that can do this for 30 plus minutes a night. Like he is it. He is their rim defender. And, you know, they've got guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Brunson and, you know, sometimes Luca, depending on the game. You know, they don't necessarily have a ton of lockdown guys. They got guys that work very hard, but, you know, they have to kind of funnel these guys into KP and KP has to respond by making the right rotations and contesting well. So like he is such a linchpin on this defensive end. And I think this is the type of game that really showed it off. He had a finger block of Paul or not a Paul George of Kawhi Leonard that I, I wish I was smart enough to write about how valuable that is because Kawhi Leonard is the kind of basketball player who's capable of absolutely taking over games. And the Mavericks just flooded him. You know, Luca played pretty good D on him at times. uh, Maxi played great D on him. And then when he got to the rim a couple of times, Kawhi was there. Or not Kawhi, uh, uh, KP was there. So that sort of, you know, just lingering, oh, is the seven foot three guy going to be at the rim? That matters over the course of a game. And, you know, despite the fact that he just had two, uh, you know, two shots was re- or two blocks was really, I don't know, it, it was it was something else to, to see him play defense because I felt like he was he, he's getting inc- increasingly active in the ways where I was just torching him earlier in the season. And, you know, I, I suppose there's probably an argument that he's moving better, but I just kind of think he's trying harder. <laughs> um, he, he's not, you know, it'll the, the the Portland game will be a real test of that because small guards, he seems to 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 really try. He seems to to think that he can do some things against smaller guards that he, you know, even his seven foot three million feet foot long arms can't do. But I'm really delighted to see him him play well. Um, which which you know pivots to you know there's a couple other guys that i suppose we could talk about i think we should talk about you know luca's game in general but i want to talk about something that actually didn't happen and i'm interested to get your take on this i think that the mavericks played better offensively and felt better in terms of flow because dorian finney smith was not out on the floor uh yeah i don't think that's i mean it's one game i don't i know i don't think that's controversial i mean he's when you take out Dorian Finney-Smith and you replace him with Tim Hardaway Jr. and the offense looks better, like it shouldn't be a shocker that your offense and your spacing and your shooting is better because I mean, what what you know, even if you're a you know a Dorian super fan, you know that's you know the the difference between him and Hardaway as a shooter is huge, just in terms of volume, you know, actual percentages, the way defenses you know guard you. Like, that's not even a debate. Like, that's not, like, that's not being a hate. Like, that's just, that's that's just how it is. It's the fact of the matter. So, I mean, I'm not shocked that the Mavericks replaced him with Hardaway. What I'm shocked is that the Mavericks were able to, well, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but they were able to, you know, have that offensive performance. They got 37 minutes of Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, 6 to 12 from the floor, 3-7 from 3, 15 points. Good, good shot making from him. 
they were able to get that, the good spacing, score well. They shot 50% from the floor, 44% from three. But then they also have one of their best defensive games. Like that's the that's the surprising part to me. It's not surprising that they took out Dorian, put in Tim, and the offense looked better. Like that's kind of expected. Uh, the re- Their defense looked better. And, you know, I don't know if that's an indictment on Dorian. You know, it's just one game. Yeah, the Clippers, but, yeah, Clippers might have just had an off game. Yeah, so, you know, I – I would not trust that a, you know, if you did this, if you did, you know, Tim for Dorian for 10 games, that that this would be the result in terms of the defense. I think the offense would obviously clearly be pretty consistently better. But uh, for I think that goes to show how, you know, the effort level of the team, the off night of the Clippers, how good Przingis was at the rim. It just kind of, it, it kind of all ties together. But, I mean, you're not wrong about the offense. Like, I mean – Hell, we watched Monday night. Uh, they took him out and they put Tim in uh, in the fourth with like six thirty left in the fourth quarter, and it went from a, a nine or ten point game to a three point game real quick. Yeah. So like Hardaway's, he's a big part of this. Like we, I don't know if we emphasize it enough. He's re- like, he's the only high volume, high percentage guy shooter on the team. Like yeah. Like everyone else, like Richardson, Kleba, Finney Smith, Brunson. These guys, none of those guys are going to take more than four a game. Uh, and Kristaps is going to fluctuate between taking four or taking 13, it seems. Uh, <laughs> so that's not, you know, that's not a knock. That's just kind of how the game, maybe how the game flows for him. Uh, so like Tim's the only one you can rely on to shoot a bunch of threes. And like, this is the NBA in 2021. You have to have guys that shoot a bunch of threes, uh, especially when you've got a guy like Lucas. So like he's, he is vital to their spacing and and their success on the offensive end of the floor because he's really he's like I said he's the only guy that can do it. Like look at the look at the shots from three tonight. You know Maxi had five, he had seven, and you know no one else had more than Tim except for Luca at eleven. Everyone else is like two, one, four. Kristaps uh, had four. Uh, Richardson had four. Like it, that Matt, that's a big deal. Like uh, I don't think we talk about that enough, and I think that kind of showed in this game. I mean, it was, it was this, this then kind of brings us full circle to the performance of Luka Doncic, who, you know, Michael Pena today, who is a staff writer for Sports Illustrated. He's been all over the internet. If you don't read Michael, I, I, I love, I I wish, I I sort of want to pick arguments with him more, but I don't because he's actually like very knowledgeable about the game, but he wrote an article about Luka's three point shooting and essentially wrote what Josh has probably written three times over the last four years, but, you know, with kind of the up-to-date information with the fact that Luca has been on absolute fire since the start of February uh, and talked about how he's shooting 36% on three-pointers. And in February, he shot 43% on step-back threes. Uh, and and Luca's really seemed to have found something. I still don't love the difficulty of shots that he's taking, but the shot feels different and maybe it's my kind of personal bias as I'm watching the game, but that's, what's really opening up a lot of the lane stuff for them. You know, he and Porzingis had a couple of those really incredible, like, I just love watching that baseline Porzingis cut where Luca's mm-hmm. there. Luca threw an oop to him early in the game and then finished a floater over Paul George late in the game with Porzingis cutting and you know that early that early Porzingis cut was a big reason why there was zero help uh, for Paul George. And the the Mavs offense, when there are there's an effective rim roller, their offense changes. It 
you know, Lucas shooting threes is going to come and go. I, I just, I need to see almost a season of it before I believe it. But the Clippers did not know what to do against him. You know, Kawhi Leonard is not going to guard him in a regular season game. I think he might more in the playoffs, but even in the, even, even in, in Kawhi is not super effective on him because Lucas as strong, if not stronger than Kawhi, which is a crazy ass thing to say out loud, but dudes just aren't able to get in Lucas space. And then he's just able to do whatever in the world that he wants. I, I remained in awe of him this game. There was a, a drive and kick out to Jalen Brunson for Brunson's one of Brunson's only two makes of the night where I cannot believe he even saw Brunson. The sort of the way he processes the game, you know, it, it just never fails to amaze me. You know, Pena wrote in his article that he thought one thing Luka could do is to speed up the game by, by pushing it a little more. But the guy just plays at his own pace all the time. And when he's in his bag, which seems to be happening more and more often, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I think this is, I don't know. I think this might've been his best game ever. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I mean, it just in terms of like control and the opponent and where they were on Monday and just the way he responded to that. uh, It's, I mean, he's definitely had, I think he's had higher, 42 is not his career anymore, right? It's like 46. So I know he's yeah, had another it's game. It's not 50, but it's it's we're getting closer. All right, and he had 43 in that, and when he hit the buzzer beater, I think uh, against the Clippers, and that was you know another amazing game. But uh, you know, we only had he had. <laughs> this is going to sound weird. He only had four turnovers. Um, like that's not great, but considering he played. 43 minutes (laughs) against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, a team that just loves to dominate the passing lanes. I'm going to take it. And he had nine assists. He could have had 30. It felt like Um, it, it was just kind of like every, it was everything, right? It was the control of the game. Like you said, keeping the pace at his, what he wants to do, not being forced into anything he doesn't want to do getting to where he wants to go, hit, actually hitting his threes, uh, finishing around the basket, which was not there on Monday. I mean, the fourth quarter was just a clinic of him beating the first defender and then scoring, uh, whether it was around the free throw line with a floater or getting even closer to the basket. Uh, you know, and, and that was especially fun after Zubox kind of got him still in the first half. Uh, the legend of Zubox versus Doncic continues, which just blows my mind. It's out. incredible. They need to find a way to get him on the team. Yes, they like, do. Just, just like but, take him out of the equation, not to mention that he would be freaking killer on pick and rolls. Right, right. And then so the fact that he was able to kind of even do that halftime adjustment, I, I think he stopped trying to go so hard. Like I, he shot some more floaters, I think, you know, in the in the area of like in the paint, but not the restricted area. I thought he was absolutely dynamite tonight. And I think the Clippers were like giving him that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they were giving it to him, but they were like, okay, if he beats our guy, we're going to, we're going to wall off the paint and, and let him shoot those shots around there. And he, and he torched them. He absolutely destroyed them there. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, 42 points on 28 shots against a team that has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on it is just, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, this is crazy. I mean, like, Paul George would, is a good defender. Yes. Paul. <laughs> He would be the Mavs' best defender from the perimeter by like a country mile, and yes. Luca just just he dropped him to the ground three times. 
I, oh my gosh. And, and Kawhi basically won the game on Monday by on the defensive end by going nuts with he had like two or three steals. And like 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 Luca ha, like I hate comparing Luca and Dirk um because they're you know obviously completely different players and different personalities, but like there's one thing like Luca has. He has that Dirk kind of like pissed he's got that pissed off dirk gene uh, that now it's not just a dirk thing like a lot of the greatest players have it but in terms of like he was pissed off after that monday game and like you could see it you could see it in the fourth quarter after he made every shot because he was very you know he 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 celebrates a lot but he was very showboaty tonight uh, and i think it was they were talking a lot of shit at him yeah and you know my wife is is i i think i bet you're and my wife are, are kind of the same where they watch the game, but they're very, they're watching for very different stuff. And my wife picks up on stuff where I'm like, wait, what? Where she notices Luca talking trash after possessions because I'll be taking notes. And he is, he was having none of it. He is tired of this shit. And I, for one, am here for Luca as, as, you know, the, there's a bigger story. You know, Rob Mahoney wrote about the Mavs belt and, and, uh, Josh Richardson won it tonight, which is fantastic. And he did the HBK pose, which has me in like, I, I, I just, oh, I now I just have, the Shawn, yes. I now have the Sean Michael song stuck in my head. And like, yes. I very much need all the different Mavericks to adopt a different 1990s, early two thousands wrestling persona. Yes. Like that would, that would make my fucking life. Please. And, Please. and you know, the, this team gets disrespected because they're kind of weird. We're, we're, inching in people have been talking to me about it particularly on twitter and i just don't know what to say because i don't want to get in trouble but like the 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 i don't want to call it anti-european but like there's just a lot of sense that luca is not of the culture and sorry folks he's a worldwide fucking phenomenon and he's ours and i can't and i love watching him i like watching the the way the team when this team is clicking they're just gonna mow people down this is really fun man what has got into you i don't know it's 12 30 <laughs> I took a. Yeah. I, I I worked out today. I feel good. Yeah. So what's really funny is like I don't think anything we talked about on Monday, and I wrote a column after that Monday game. I don't want to think any of that's necessarily been invalidated after this game. I think it honestly, I think it kind of more proved our point in the sense that yes. like, look what happens when they get the things that we're talking about that they don't get consistently. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm you know there's. <laughs> If there's one thing, all right, I hate to be the buzzkill, but if there's one thing about tonight that just scares the shit out of me, I mean, Kirk, they literally played five guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at the, they the had back to, end of the rotation. There's there's Brunson with 16, and Brunson, you know, come back to us, Jalen. That's one of the worst games I've ever seen from you. Willie Colley Stein gave 12 pretty good minutes with the exception of that one three point shot, which oh I God, hope Rick amazing. Carlisle, like, there needs to be an iPad in which they put up in his locker and only show him the dumb shit stuff he does. Yes. Oh my God, he is nuts. Um, and then a one do who I made fun of a lot. He did have one turnover, but he was not a negative. I hate to admit that. He was fine. He was the funniest thing in the world about his 11 minutes is not just that he didn't like if it's possible to have negative shot attempts in your box score, he would, he would have qualified tonight. Like he did everything <laughs> in his power to not shoot the basketball. And it was awe inspiring. And he's kind of like, 
that's kind of like smart of him. Like he, I mean, yeah. he's been horrible. I think, you know, when he was playing regular minutes during the COVID outbreak, he was like statistically the worst shooter in the league. <laughs> um, and there was a one really hilarious, like offensive rebound. I don't know if you remember, there was an offensive rebound. I don't know who got it. And they threw it out to him. And I swear to God, there was 50 feet of like <laughs> circular space around him <laughs> at the three point line. And he just immediately dribbled back toward midcourt, looking to pass it to Luca, who was being face guarded by someone else uh, off the ball. And they still found a way to get him away from the ball and then, you know, let Luca do his thing. I thought that was hilarious. But I also like, that's kind of smart. I mean, he probably knows, like, hey, I'm not on the floor to, to shoot. Like, I'm on the floor to try to steal some minutes defensively. Hey, he grabbed a couple boards. He didn't look bad. I'll take it. Well, I, I don't really have much more. We're going to play. We're going to do this again in two days because the Mavericks played Portland. And they split the first series. If they split the second series, I'll be giddy. That's that's kind of the this is this might be the last big super tough stretch of their season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean they got the two in Portland, and then after that, it is it is it's significantly still hard. Easier. Yeah, but it's not like oh shit for you know two straight weeks. Like I feel like it has been. Yeah, it's not playing uh, three of the best teams in the Western Conference five five straight times. Yeah, it's really something. Okay, well, uh, this has been Josh Bowe and Kirk Henderson. I'm going to hop on Locker Room for a bit, so if you want to hang out and listen to that, go right ahead. I'll be posting it at the end of this. Otherwise, we will talk to you in a couple of days. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the start of Mavs Moneyball Live. We're coming to you about half an hour after the Mavericks beat the Clippers 105 to 89 in what is one of the most satisfactory wins in terms of my psyche that I've felt in a long time. But let's get right to it. Let's uh Will is gonna be joining us up on stage. Will, how's it going, man? Or not. Will opted out. <laughs> Maybe you didn't mean to hit that button. That's okay. I've done that a time or two. Fur, what's happening? Somebody else didn't mean to join. This is fun. People are uh, inadvertently clicking in and out of the room. But here we are. I'll just keep talking because I'm good at talking to myself. So I came into this game, I don't know, a little concerned. The Clippers, as I've talked about for going back weeks, are simply the kind of team that on paper built to just beat the crap out of the Mavericks. Uh, Like whole, you know, host of six foot seven to six foot ten guys to bother Luka Doncic. You know, the kind of, like, rangy, you know, uh, uh, kind of leveraging type post defenders that can irritate Porzingis. And it was just, you know, one of those games that I was not super, you know, looking forward to. I I, I joked that they would win on Twitter a couple days ago, but I'm not sure if I really believe that. And then the Mavericks came out, and what happened was a bit of a, a you know, mirror of, of what happened Monday night. In that the Clippers role players, all of them crapped the bed. And the Mavericks were 
able to shoot lights out from three. The Clippers shot nine of 32 from three versus the other game where they shot 14 of 32. That five point that that five three difference was literally the difference in this game in terms of fifteen points. So it was really exciting to see the Mavericks, uh, you know, go out there and and really take care of business consistently. Uh, if you look at the box score, the box score is a little bit of a riot in that the Mavericks played uh, kind of like a five man rotation. Um, that was you know a little concerning. Jalen Brunson uh, effectively played himself right off the floor, and and you know that's something to to kind of question in later days. Um, again, anybody that wants to to come up on stage, ask a question, or talk talk shop, let's uh, you know go ahead and hit that that speaker request uh, button, and we will bring you on up. Um, Josh and I just finished recording a podcast, and we were about. I was as gleeful as I've been in weeks, which is probably going to be weird for anybody who has um, listened to the podcast forever because I don't really get, uh, you know, exceedingly happy. But it was it was fun to watch. And, you know, the fact that the Mavericks beat the Clippers two out of three times this season is something that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But I will take it. I feel that, you know, oh, it... Christian, what's happening? Hey, Kirk, how you doing? I'm feeling really good, which is, you know, not normal for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was hard, honestly, watching the game. Like, we played really well, but it really was like almost us versus the Clippers and the refs. It was atrocious. Yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that because Josh and I didn't talk about that at all because it didn't end up being a factor because the Mavs won by 16, but... The inconsistency in what were very obvious calls, I'm really glad that did not become an overarching story. Uh, The Mavericks just kept coming after all sorts of times when, you know, going back the last 30-something games, they've had plenty of times to, to, I don't want to say collapse, but they folded during during times of of frustration. And it was really nice to see them to, to do something a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, the three most notable, that Kawhi offensive foul, uh, that, yeah, and uh, the other one with Richardson, where he basically got shoved to the floor, or you know, knocked to the floor, and I don't recall if they called that on Maxi or uh, Jay Rich, but, it, it, I mean, there was just so many throughout the game that, uh you know, they, they certainly overcame it, but I think, you know, who knows where we would have been if it wasn't for the three ball going down. Which, that's kind of the story of the NBA this year. It's been the story of the Mavs the past few years. You know, uh, I tweeted this during the game. Michael Pena of Sports Illustrated wrote, Josh has written this story like five times, but it, it, it was a really kind of thorough look at, at what Luka Doncic's threes do, and he's been on fire since the start of February. So earlier today when I read the story, I kind of thought there's simply no way Luka's going to hit three-point shots, and he hit a ton of them. So we'll we'll see what's going on. I'm going to invite Will up on stage here because he has sent a request. Will, what's going on? Will has quit again. That's the second time he's done that. I will not invite him up on stage again when he comes back, or he's having connectivity issues. Doug, my man, what's happening? Good to see you again. Hey, Kirk. If I hung around for a loss on Monday, I had to come back for a win on, on Wednesday. That's a good point. That's a good point. What would you think of the game? 
I uh, there's a lot of things that I thought were were great, and one of the things that's amazing is that if the Mavs can beat the Clippers with 18 turnovers, <laughs> that's a that's a good night. Yeah, yeah. If you notice the the assist to turnover ratio is pretty brutal. I'm glad that didn't become a thing. Uh, uh, your your son Jordan actually pointed that out in our Slack where he said. Um, 14 assists, 18 turnovers. Cannot believe this is an actual thing. I mean, the Mavs hit 40 field goals, and the fact that less than half of them were assisted, I don't really understand how that's possible. I would need to watch this game again. There was a lot of Tim Hardaway Jr. heroics, I feel like. But you know, it's just kind of rare. But the Clippers are a team that forces that sort of stuff. They force the, the one-on-one actions. It's it's very, very difficult to to score against them because there's just hands everywhere. I, it was It's nice to see. Well, the other the other two things that uh, I I really liked about tonight was the fact that you had forty one points from the other Mavs starters besides Luca and KP, as opposed to seventeen the other on Monday. And the other thing is uh, we out rebounded uh, the the uh, Clippers, uh, and uh, that's gonna I think that's gonna be the rest of the season. You watch and see how many times when the Mavs out rebound a team, that's gonna be good news. Well, that's a key, and and something that I just discussed on with Josh on our podcast is how Kristaps Porzingis deserves all the credit in the world for his rebounding that game. You know, you could see the Mavericks really trying hard to work him into the game offensively, and the Clippers are just they they tease a guy like him with his skill set, and they wanted him to put it on the floor. They wanted him to try to do some cute stuff, and the shots just weren't falling. And sometimes that's gonna happen. He got good looks that didn't go. The fact that he kept his head in the game and really was able to really make an impact both on the defensive end. He had a really cool finger block of uh, Kawhi, which I feel was really important, and then had 13 boards, including three offensive ones. Like That's the sort of – the Mavericks can stomach him having a bad offensive game because they have kind of an offensive scheme. But if Porzingis is going to do stuff like that, the Mavericks are are really kind of going to be very frustrating to play against. If you I mean you look at the rest of the starters, all re- really rebounded the ball well. As, uh, um, in addition, but it was just nice to see that from Porzingis. This is the first game all season where he has had more rebounds and points, and it couldn't have come at a better time, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's going to be one of those things that uh, is going to be very important. Is that if he's not having a, a good shooting night, if he can still make that solid contribution as far as on the boards. And 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 uh, as far as just overall rim protection, that's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun with that one. I was I was just just really delighted to see it. We got a couple of requests, or we did have a couple of requests to come up on stage. Those who had did that a second ago, for some, they seem to go away. So if anybody wants to send it again, I will I will do my best to to have y'all up. Um, we have a more crowded room than I've had in normal. I'm going to invite up next uh, Tim Yeager, also known as House Mavericks on Twitter. Tim, how you doing? What's up, man? Yeah, Dude, it's uh, quite the no, game. I had a great time. Absolutely. No way I'm going to be able to go to sleep for a while. <laughs> That's why uh, I did this. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I, I just got on a few minutes ago, so I'm not sure if you've talked about um, Josh Richardson yet. Obviously, haven't. You know, Let's Lucas go with it. get all the praise. Dude, He. this was – someone tweeted this, and I wish I could give them credit. I can't remember. But, like, this was the film to show, to answer the question, like, why did you trade for Josh Richardson? Um. His just loose ball, um, his energy. He had a that block on Reggie Jackson was so awesome. Um, kind of like an intentionally let him get by, and then blocked him at the backboard. Um, 
I don't know, man. Then obviously if he's hitting shots, that just seems like a huge benefit and a huge bonus. And so he, he deserves a lot of praise tonight. And, uh, hopefully this is, you know, a sight of what he can be with this maps team and what he should be. Um, obviously it's hard to talk about COVID and just the, the effects it has on players and how long, cause you know, we don't know how it, how it takes to recover from something like that. Um, but man, this was, it was just, this is why you trade for Josh Richardson. I, so he won the defensive belt, which was delightful because not only did he win the belt, he also did the, uh, HBK pose where he's standing with, you know, kind of like the side lunge. And I need more of this like that. I need the embracing of wrestling culture, because as a as a guy who watched far too much WWE between 1996 and like 2004, uh, I'm very into this idea. Uh, I, I I sort of joked about the the belt a little bit, but the Mavericks were so bad on defense that I really like the the fact that the gimmick has become a bit that they've committed to is really a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, you know, Doug points out in the chat that the Mavericks are now 11 and one when they out rebound their opponents, which is really a wild stat. Um, and, and rebounding is, is a part of defense. So it's, you know, watching Richardson play, he was, his, his statistical contributions were all over the place and he really took the challenge of guarding some of the best players in the other team in a way that I, I don't remember him at least getting the game long contribution you know because carl has a tendency to put dorian finney smith on whoever's bigger but richardson doesn't care richardson wants to guard if i i get the feeling that he wants to guard the the opposing team's best player and i sort of i mean i've kind of thought this the whole season but you know like you mentioned with covid that's a valuable point i, I would like to see him do that more often number one because i i earnestly believe he's the better defensive player man to man and second dorian is a really good off ball defender like he's a rangy huge like lengthy guy and i don't understand why they always want to have him on ball just because you guard james harden well so so that was that was really a lot of fun what else you got um dude luca man (laughs) i just i don't have words i can just i just smile i just smile when i think about what he did tonight it's just um that's what having a top five player in the NBA looks like any moment, any game. I mean, he played 42 minutes tonight, I believe, which is yeah. pretty crazy. Um, and I put this in the stats rundown. Um, he was plus 29 in 42 minutes <laughs> in a 16 point game, which means, and this is, I don't want to turn it negative, but we're going to have to address this. Actually, sure. we have a million times, but in the five minutes he rested, the Mavs were a minus 13. That's wild. Isn't that wild? Like that, it just, I mean, we know that things go sideways when he sits on the bench and it's like Paul George goes on these six, eight Oh runs himself every time Lucas sits and it's frustrating, but then you put him right back in and then boom, it doesn't happen every game. This was, you know, this was one of the, the better examples of just how drastic it can be. But man, just this was the hope of year three of Luca, you know, top five MVP candidate can win you really any game if he's on one. And he absolutely was on one tonight. And um, just 
makes everyone better. And the fourth quarter couldn't have been any really the the clutch. It wasn't clutch, but the last five minutes of the game was total opposite of Monday night, which is really good to see against a great defensive team to go from not scoring in the last three minutes last game when it was a clutch game Uh to just putting the nail in the coffin this game and not even letting them sniff an opportunity to, to get back in it. Um, Man. I mean, to split the series, this series, I mean, win the season series, but split this uh, this two-game stretch against the Clippers, man, I, I mean, honestly, that was like best-case scenario in my mind. Um, so big, big, big game. I'm going to bring on exiled Twitter fan, locked-on Mavs host, Nick Angstad on. Nick, what's going on, man? Oh, man. Am I? Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Oh, man. In Twitter jail currently still from a Bobon Instagram <laughs> video of all things. I did not think that was the thing that would take me down. That so it what was it like a uh, like copyright type thing with the music or something. Bobon shared this video like last summer of him like bench pressing one of his kids. And I, I screen recorded it on Instagram and shared it. And it was funny. Didn't get that big of a response either. And then it had a big Sean song playing in the background and umg <laughs> umg music group was like no and they just took it down and then i had multiple strikes on my account apparently and so took they suspended me we'll see that happens well we, vo- free radio mavs here uh with with nick so so nick what did you think of tonight's game oh man well so one of my first thoughts was the refs suck i mean what are we do- what <laughs> yeah are we, we led with that it, it was pretty bad i mean it was just brutal. And both sides, too, right? Like, our Locked On Clippers account was just complaining about them the whole night, too. And I was like, well, if both sides are complaining about it, I guess at least it's even yeah. to some degree. Then uh, the defense, I mean, they, they just seemed like they had such – there's so much more effort and intensity on the defensive end. It, I think it starts with Josh Richardson. He won the defensive player of the game belt. He's a guy that I think can really set the tone for the Mavericks on defense, a guy the Mavericks haven't had. That video over the summer where he said, or the, over the offseason, where he said, you know, the dogs are coming. Like, he, we finally are starting to see him become that guy. He's learning how to become a vet. He's learning how to become a leader on this team. Because he's always been the young guy, right? Like, he was the young guy in Miami. They were, he was up and coming. Then in Philly, he was kind of the odd man out, sort of just a weird situation there with yeah. him. And now he's like a vet. <laughs> he's to kind of learn how to do that. And, yeah, I thought it was great. I will say that the, there were just so many like random acts, aspects of this game that I that I wouldn't have considered because I kind of came into this game anticipating being frustrated, and then it just kind of, I mean, every single Mavs Clippers game is entertaining in a way that I'm not able to pin down. I mean, I think well, the, the first Clip- one you can pin down. Oh sure, because they beat the crap out of them. But the Clippers talk more shit to Luca than any team in the league. And I think it brings out the side of him where he was just too tired on Monday. He was feeling spicy. You could see it. But who is, who is Terrence Mann? What are Terrence Mann? What are you doing? I mean, in my in my life, because I'm old, Terrence Mann is the fake author from Field of Dreams <laughs> who gives a speech about baseball and in time rolling on. But apparently he is a Luca shaped villain who wants to irritate Luca and then turn, you know, I just can't imagine what he was thinking. There was a, like some real dumbassery from these, from these Clippers. 
in terms of trying to get under his skin. Like, I, I get that he looks 14 when he's shaved, but how many times can, can Luca drop Paul George to the ground before they treat him with a little bit of deference? He was, he's, Terrence Mann is walking in the Marcus Morris footsteps, right? He's like, hmm, look at all that money Marcus Morris just made over the summer. <laughs> what does he do that I can do? Well, I can't shoot like him, so I'm just going to pest everybody. Oh, yeah. Luca, oh, yeah. man, like, he's, he's insane. They were right up in his chest, like, the whole night, basically. Like, there were so many times that the Mavs struggled to get him the ball back. And he was still able to get control, to dribble through traffic. Like, just the, his handle is so tight, even though he, like, he, he has a bunch of turnovers, obviously. But it's not because, like, people are stealing the ball from him. It's usually errant passes. But, mm-hmm. man, his, his ball handling this game tonight was insane for me. You know, we're getting, George can attest. We're, we're getting to the point in the night, and, and this will tell you the fact that I'm old. I, I have, like, the, the, the app on my phone, which tells me to go to bed. And so every time I've... <laughs> Every time my phone locks, it won't, which like while we're talking here, it'll do the thing where I have to press like four different buttons to get to come back into to the locker room. This is this is just getting ridiculous. So um, whoever's on stage now is that's it. You're not right. Like able it's to- just it's just <laughs> you and me and, and probably and, and Tim here who's on us. So I have a take, which I pitched to Josh. Now I want to throw it y'all's way to see what you think. Um, I didn't miss Dorian Finney-Smith at all. No, of course not. Of course not. Any any role player you don't miss, you're like glad they're gone. No, Shoot them I into mean the, the, the man is shooting thirty six. Like like I made the connection, and this is my fault. The Mavs are one of the worst open three point shooting teams in the league by a kind of like kind of dastardly wide margin. He gets the most open threes in the league for a guy that takes the volume that he does. He also shoots the, he shoots thirty six percent on wide open threes. That is tremendously bad. And I, I just can't help but think that the one more shooter in the form of Tim Hardaway Jr., which should be kind of obvious because Tim's a really good shooter, stre- you know, made the defense think a little more, which opened things up for Dallas. Is, is that just too much? I don't know. Maybe I'm just off here and, and you know, the, the Clippers role players were kind of stinky and, and the Mavericks got away with not having a rotation player. Well, they're, they only scored, like, what, 106 points? They had offensive rating 111. It's not like they mm-hmm. were, like, lights out offensively tonight. But, I mean, it does, I mean, you're right. Like, it does. It opens it up. Nobody, like, the Clippers especially, they know this team by now. They've played them how many times in the last, like, six months? They know this team. They know to leave Dorian open. That's why he gets so many shots. Uh, there's, I mean, there's times in the season where he's shooting 40% over pretty good stretches, but... Yeah, he misses a bunch. The, where they miss him a little bit is to have one extra guy that's not Wessowandu that doesn't Which, make mistakes because Dorian doesn't really make mistakes. That's the whole reason why he got more playing time over Justin Anderson when he first came in the league. Like He didn't make any mistakes. And Carlisle was like, you're hired. <laughs> and just kept him. So you're telling me – I should know this. I've covered the team for 10 years. You're telling me that Dorian Finney-Smith has been – on the team for both Justin Anderson and now Australian Justin Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> he's going he's gonna to kill both of them. This is just, this is upsetting. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. I guess Dorian really has been on the team that long. Oh my God. We've been um, doing, we've been doing locked on maps so long and it's, it's five days a week, right? So it's sure. every day we have to talk about, like we have to stretch out topics and back when the maps were awful, which we all remember, uh, that was one of our talking points for like a while. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, who's going to get more playing time? Dorian Finney with Justin Anderson. That is, uh, I have, I have 
I'm glad we have grown since then. Tim, Tim I need I need to hear your take on this. What do you What do you think about about my 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 Dorian slander? One game sample size, sure. But I am intrigued. Um, I'm intrigued with sliding Tim Hardaway, not me, into the starting lineup <laughs> and giving. It's not going to be this dramatic, but I'm just thinking through it. Like, if you give Dorian Wessowundu's minutes tonight, like, is that – I don't even know. How many how – many He only played 11 play? minutes, but you're, okay, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, cut his minutes of, down from, like, 35 to, like, 25. Absolutely. So, you know, we didn't miss him tonight. And that, that's, that's kind of weird thing. I, you know, this is – I can't say because I, I see it both ways. I, I can't see it really. We didn't miss him. Um, now we're better with him when he's playing at his best. Um, when he can knock down open shots, which again he's not doing well this year. So like you know, Tim Hardaway helps with spacing absolutely. Our bench unit can't score regardless. <laughs> um, so I, I'm intrigued with giving Tim Hardaway the starting spot. Um, and cutting down Dorian's minutes, I don't know. Yeah, just not 30. Um, but again, one game, I'm not going to react to. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see if this, I don't know, shifts anything in Carlisle's brain going forward. Um, obviously, you don't want to penalize the dude for having a kid, right? Um, right. But that, I mean, I don't know. I just Yeah, what like are we, the U.S. Played... government? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that could have played a little bit. A, a, a tiny part into it for sure. Because uh, guys just they don't guard Dorian. They don't no, guard not Dorian. at all. It, it changes spacing dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's just two or three steps, like that makes a huge difference in Luca's game and how he can hand the ball off and do his. Um, and I mean, when his corner no look passes are going to Maxi or Tim Hardaway, I feel way more confident in that ball going through the rim. Um, and if, if if that can be the case. Man, I, I'm for it. Um, like I said, and I don't think we have the assets to do this this deadline. But if we can upgrade the Dorian spot, this team would be dramatically better. And that's no knock to Dorian. It's just that's just the one spot where if we could upgrade, if we could now every NBA team wants to upgrade in that position, absolutely. But if we could just get a tiny bit better, which maybe we did with Tim Hardaway sliding in the starting lineup. So I don't know. It's intriguing for sure. Well, and. and- so if you guys remember Luca's rookie year, it took like trading Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes to get Rick to stop posting them up. <laughs> and and I'm wondering if it's like getting Dorian out of the like roster entirely makes him play Richardson on their best defensive player because he just insists on putting Dorian like like he thinks he's a man lockdown guy and he's a battler. And and it's 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 just pretty wild to me, but I, I don't know. It's it's probably a bridge bridge too far. All right, so I'm going to invite uh, Taylor up on stage, who has been patiently waiting, uh, who comes on every night. Taylor, where are you? Send that request again. Um, to to come up and say something. Sorry, I'm, Taylor, Taylor, what's happening? Hey man, thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure Tim thing. really ended up hitting a lot of the stuff that I was going to say. Say it again. Um, I don't care. Know, I like it. Yeah, it was just. It's percolating my mind, you know, based off of, you know, the convos on, on Mads Twitter. It's, you know, I love Dodo, but how many, how many starting small forwards are there in the league that we would actually 
that would that we would prefer to have him over. You know, is he is he a bottom five, a bottom seven starting caliber? Well, yeah, out there it's really painful because. Mm-hmm. Josh Green, especially that guy specifically, because he was on the yes. board. And we all wanted him. <laughs> That's exactly but, right. But, but I mean, we all say this, but like, do we expect Rick would have ever given him the, the kind of run to get his feet wet that he's getting in Detroit right now, or would he just been buried on the bench and have played a bunch in the in the in the G League bubble? Like, it's a great. It's a great question. I have yeah. to believe that Rick Carlisle wouldn't be this stubborn. But yeah, with somebody that talented, like yeah. There's a lot but, of evidence that says otherwise, but he also played. He also played Justin Anderson a lot more than we remember. You go check those game mm, logs. Yeah, Anderson played minutes. Yeah, that's when we were out trying to lose a lot of games. Though I will say, sure. Um, the other thing, the other thing, I'm no, they made the playoffs while, that year. Yeah. Oh, while yeah, we talk about right. this, is is this matchup versus the Clippers actually kind of helps in a certain degree because Maxi guarded Kawhi most of the night. Mm-hmm. When you're playing like a Suns team and you got Chris Paul and Devin Booker and two elite guards, that's when Dorian kind of helps in the defensive model of what the Mavs need to do. Tonight, I feel like they could get away with it more tonight versus than versus other teams because Maxi didn't have to guard a guard, right? He's guarding another, um, you know, bigger guy. So yeah, that and could that, have that... been an, another way that it hid Dorian's, you know, absence yeah. a little bit you know, better yeah. than maybe other opponents. But it just it, thinking about the three guys that start in between Luca and KP and thinking about just, you know, who's going to be here long-term. I really, I love Hardaway now, especially when he's coming off the bench. I think our bench unit's too just, you know, star for scoring to, to really slide him and that just be anything, but just like, you know, bailing water out. Uh, but yeah. Just looking at it long-term, like, you know, I love Maxi. I think he's so important to our team defensively and just his, his shooting, his like the kind of downstream effects he has. But offensively, he's so limited because he's such a stationary shooter. Um, sure. He's added, he's added so much to his game every year, but I just don't know his, his like straight up and down set shot. I don't know if he'll ever be able to be a guy to even like Bertans that can like come off screens or what have you and be a little bit more of an offensive threat. And at that point, you kind of have two semi-offensive zeros out there with him and DFS, and then it just puts so much more stress on Jay Rich to try to do anything whenever whenever Luca and KP aren't rolling or they're not on the floor. So yeah. today, like you know, made me think like I, I would be obviously Jay Rich's defense is getting better. I think y'all have the point y'all made about COVID. You know, it's probably pretty prescient, but. I, I was a lot more comfortable seeing him out there today with that lineup whenever there was just a little bit more offensive pop out there to where he could do his thing and then get in the flow defensively. And I think I think it may be kind of telling that we were forced into this hand you know, long term. That sort of stuff kind of has to happen. I mean, earlier in the season, Porzi- or, uh, Porzingis, what's wrong with me? Carlisle was playing all sorts of different combinations because he's trying to figure out what he has. And, you know, I'm not sure I would have thought to play a non-Dorian Finney-Smith lineup. I mean, I, I am a long-term Dorian Finney-Smith judgmental guy. I watched him play too many summer leagues. I watched him play with, uh, what was the, the the guy from South America? Uh, Nico. Shoot, my brain's Bucino. broken. Nico! Yeah. 
Yes. And it was just like, watch them both be terrible as Dennis Smith, like fed them layups and didn't, and they just couldn't do anything. But this is, you know, I'm, I, at this point we're kind of hitting a, a me problem. Um, I'm going to invite Jesse here up on stage. He's been waiting patiently for Going a to me back down. Jesse, what's happening? How you guys doing? Hey Kirk. Um, yeah, good win tonight. I just got done recording my pod, but like the, the biggest takeaway for me was we were able to go defensively toe to toe with the Clippers, which was really exciting, especially when, you know, they, we were both kind of full force finally. You know, we're two and one uh, on the series so far this season. Uh, obviously the first game was an outlier, but like the biggest thing for me was I really like, even though KP didn't have a good offensive game, he needs to learn how to catch the ball and pass the ball in the post. Um, and hold on to the ball in the post. But it, it, when he's playing bad offensively, if he's able to still get 13 rebounds, really make an impact in the paint and play good defense, um, it really, really helps his team out a lot. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that that was my takeaway pretty pretty early on because as much as I'd like to just you know talk about Luca for like six hours on end, I think we have to note that when Porzingis plays like that, on defense, they can survive how he plays on offense because the rest of the team, the scheme is there. It was really nice to see that. I hope – I doubt he'll really get that because I think he he's just – I don't want to call him sensitive. That's not fair. But I think that, that he derives a lot of confidence from being able to look and participate in the offense. And there are guys that are just like that. And the fact that he was able to battle through a rough night is something I'm, I'm, I'm really, really a big fan of. To that um, point, yeah, he Kirk, got I, he got doubled all night tonight. He did. Was kind of. I mean, I would love seeing that because um, that just opens things up. Yet, I mean, the Clippers forced a few turnovers. If he can learn to be comfortable, <laughs> when Dirk was a, just a magician at it, like sure, when it, he would be at the elbow and he'd get doubled, he could pass right out of it, and it just opens up for all. All the teammates. And so if he can learn to be strong with the ball, because whenever we mentioned this probably a few weeks ago, whenever he catches the ball on a post up outside of the paint, it's usually disastrous. And even uh, Jeff Van Gundy mentioned that tonight. And so it's all about positioning. And then if he if, if doubles are coming, he's got to quickly pass that ball out and then you got to skip it around the perimeter. Um, but I think that that's something that I think you could easily learn. He's just got to get more comfortable and have more reps with um, – which is which is happening. So I, I was encouraged too. Yeah. Okay, we got a couple people waiting to come up on stage here. So if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna invite Jason up on next. Who every time he comes on stage has something I've not thought about before. So I absolutely want to hear what he has to say. Jason, what's going on? Hey guys, obviously great win. I don't. Luca is insane. <laughs> I'm gonna be a pessimist here. I don't. I feel like a jerk. I feel like a jerk. I feel no, you're a lot. We've been talking for a half okay. hour. We we need some. We need some salt. Bring it. Okay. I mean, we mentioned this before, but in the non-Luca minutes, we are minus thirteen, and a lot of this is just the roster is very talent deprived. When Jalen Brunson had an off night, they had to play Trey Burke five minutes, and he was hilariously awful again. Dwight Powell played like five minutes and got destroyed by Zubac. I was. Insane to watch the powers destroyed by Zubox. That was pretty bad. It was so bad. And, like, I was happy that Vasavundu wasn't, like, horrible. Like, he was okay, and I'm happy about that. Like, I don't know. Like, we won, but 
Luca played 42 minutes. That cannot happen in a regular season game. Honestly, this sounds super bad, but if Luca played six plus minutes this game and we came off a loss, is that better for this Mavs team? We can't and have pro- Luca break down before we can't have Luca break down before the playoffs. It's just I a agree. fact. Like I this agree. team is desperate for a win, and Luca has to play lots of minutes because this team has no secondary ball handlers. And where Luca's a magician, but he saw end of last season he wore down a little bit before the break. This season, I mean, I mean his conditioning is fine. I think it's fine. It's not the best, but he's not LeBron. He can't play all the minutes, all the time. Like, no one is LeBron. So, it's like, if Luka breaks down in the playoffs and he has a subpar playoff series, I'm just going to be looking at these 10, 15 games after the COVID, after we all got right, and we're 12-4, and four, we're doing great, but we're playing a really shallow rotation, and we don't yeah. have bench players, and it's really, really scary to me. Yeah, our rotations are so small that a lot of these players are going to be burnt out. Like, we have our bench players playing 35 minutes a night some nights, and, like, we just can't have that... Like, we have other players on this roster. I'm still baffled why Wendu keeps getting minutes over Josh Green. But, um, you know, it is if you're going to get zero points, you might as well get it from your rookie, uh, who's still a very good defender and that can make cuts. I think he's better at making cuts. I think he's better at screens. Uh, the one thing that I would point out in this game that <laughs> I guess is – we don't have the choice. We have to win. We have to keep winning. We're the eighth spot right now. We have to maintain that. I think, you know, with all the back-to-backs coming up, we got to take these wins where we can because we're not going to have them later. I don't know what they do in the trade deadline. I don't think they really do anything, but I think the one big thing is we have to figure out a way to expand these rotations. And I don't know if Bay's an NBA player yet. I don't know if Terry's an NBA player yet, but we need to find out. So we're not going to find out with them on. I think there's a lot to all of this. I, I, I see in our chat, there's definitely some eye rolling about the minutes. And I see both sides of the argument. Luke is young. I don't really hate the concept of playing his big butt into shape. Uh, because, But committing to cardio is a, is a multi-year thing. It's going to be something where when he's 25, hopefully he will look the way James Harden looked, you know, the last two or three years where he's just an Iron Man. I think Luke has that capability in him. But... The bigger picture about the lack of depth is is there. Uh, it is a concern because, you know, Jalen Brunson, who has been very important these last 15 games, was probably, like, for anybody that's followed me for a while, I wanted them to trade him within, like, the second game of the season because he was doing crap like that. I mean, five turnovers in nine minutes is hard. You have you essentially have to turn it over every third possession. There just aren't that many to have, and he was really rough. And, and, you know, it's, some of it's just bad luck. The, the Clippers, again, are just such a long team that they're built to annoy the Mavericks. But they, they have to I, – I do think that, that if there are, like, stretches of games, you know, particularly past these two Portland games, which are not going to be good examples, if they're playing any of these teams who are less talented, I think the Mavericks have to try to find a way to get these younger guys something. They need to steal minutes. I don't need 15 minutes a game from Bay. I don't need that many minutes a game for, for Josh Green. But you steal four minutes here, that's four minutes that, that you know, Dorian Finney-Smith can play 31 instead of 35 minutes. 
that's the sort of stuff that we're talking about, at least I'm talking about over the course of the season. I really, I, I think it's, I think it's at least worth talking about it. Jason, you're not being too negative. We're in the part of the podcast where we need to be a little reflective and not quite so excited because they played five guys tonight. And, you know, one of the guys that played off the bench was Willie Cauley Stein. And I'm pretty sure the three that he took is going to result in him getting sent to like Rick Carlisle's phantom zone for the next six weeks. I mean, that was, was anybody else as pissed at that as I was? Anyhow, he didn't have an option. I think if he would have passed that ball, he would have turned it over. Those jerseys, oh my God. I, I kept on doing double takes. It was like, who's on what team? Uh, I, I guess I'm colorblind because it was bothering me. It was rough. I have a huge TV, and I'm just like, like I'm, I'm at this point, I'm like, what is happening? The one, the one thing um, I want to say real quick, though, is that Brunson yeah. looked like he was just a very small boy there with a bunch of men. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to be able to match up very well in a series, a seven-game series with this team because he's just really undersized, and they play a big team. He, he's not able to get any passes or any sort of step on anyone good. I like it. I still like the take. All right, we got a couple more people that have some thoughts that want to be on stage. They've waited patiently. Josh, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having me on. Sure, um, sorry you had to wait. No, that's good. Like you got a lot of people in here where everyone wants to support the team and say their thoughts. Um, Jess and I have been kind of having like a similar understanding on where I want to go. Like we're talking about like team needs, what the Mavericks might need going forward. Uh, the minutes was a very good one. That's actually. One thing that's been concerning me. Another thing is I feel like we need a guard to kind of help put pressure off of Luca a bit. And I've I've been on the category I've been on the side of one player. Jesse here has been on the side of another player. Um, what guard do you think would help out with the Mavericks? Oh man, that's a tough question. Yeah. I see I'm my not, guy. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you like who Jesse and I have been talking about. I want to see what what you have out there. I I I am terrible at this in terms of of trades. It is of my many strong opinions about everything under the sun. Trades are just one area, and then opposing team, you know, guys that might actually be on the market are really tough because I think you can make the case that just about every potential playoff team in the league would love a secondary ball handler that can hit an open shot. And that's, you know, for as much as we talk about Porzingis being a unicorn, I don't know. I, I just don't even know who, who is really potentially available. You know, the Mavericks ended up with Trey Burke in no small part because he was just kind of on the scrap heap. And finding guys that are able to connect and play within an offense and dribble, um, I think dribbling is probably one of uh, – dribbling in traffic is one of the most – underrated currently like lacking skills on on lots of nba teams i mean the mavericks don't have anybody outside of luca i mean brunson right. is fine in the key but he gets in there he's shooting that man ain't passing when he passes he throw, turns it over so who do you think go ahead i'm, I'm willing to hear it for both of you and jesse so for jesse um he said and correct me if i'm wrong jesse i believe it was malcolm brogdon for you like a malcolm brogdon like player yeah i will give the sun and moon well, sure. They should have. They Mavericks should have pitched him everything under the sun to come to the team two years ago. But there were everybody and their uncles worried that his foot's going to explode, and it just yeah. hasn't happened. But you know, of course, that that sort of stuff's a little bit difficult. But what about you? Who do you think then? For me, we act. This guy's actually going to be a restricted free agent this coming um, off season, and we could possibly make a play for him. I think Lonzo would be a perfect fit. I do think that Lonzo has got to be in their top three of targets because they're just going to have to spend a bunch of money. 
and and uh, you know the chats talked about this is kind of the recurring theme of play of potentially going out and and making a, a godfather offer to Collins, but I just I have a hard time seeing it. I have a hard time seeing the Mavericks playing two front court players. I think Lonzo's a lot more reasonable. Um, my man Grant here, who's waiting to talk in the chat, I'm pretty sure is a is a Lonzo guy as well. I mean, there's a lot of people that'd be interested in him because the ball doesn't stick with Lonzo. And that's what they need from a secondary ball handler and is kind of my problem with Brunson when I bitch about him, even though the role that they have Brunson <laughs> in is, is, is kind of ideal. So I, I, I right. do like that. Um, you know, Chris Titus in the chat just asked, you know, do you want to pay Lonzo? And I I feel like he's worth it. Like, Well, I've been griping about this for years because, I, you know, I've been trying to build a team in my head in my superstar GM brain that doesn't exist because I'm t- actually low-key terrible at this outside of, you know, hoping and praying for things. You know, you, at a certain point, you just got to have good good players. Like, the Mavericks have a bunch of guys who suck. So, you know, I'm okay with paying a good player. That's that's really kind of got to be the thing. Yeah, we right. have to spend the money because we if you don't use it, you lose it. We're going to have to offer the extension to to Luca, and if, if we want to sign over the cap, we have to spend all that money or it's just gone. So, oh, yes. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to invite here Christian up on stage because he's been waiting patiently for like 20 minutes. Christian, what's happening? Hey Kirk, uh thanks for having me back up. Um I just wanted to uh kind of talk about, you know, what we've been discussing and the fact of, you know, when you get to the the bottom or the lower, you know, the end of the bench, I mean, we just don't have real NBA quality players. And when it comes to the rookies, you know, Rick just doesn't give him the run. So one of the moves, I I mean, I heard or read that he was a buyout candidate, um, you know, in a low-cost sense is Otto Porter. Uh, you know, he's a solid defender, I believe somewhere around 40% uh, career from three. Uh, I... I mean, I don't know what would necessarily facilitate that trade. Um, But if he is a buyout candidate, I think he would really be ideal. The thing is, he breaks down all the time. Well, so the thing to understand about him is the main reason he's not playing is Patrick Williams is a ungodly good pick at at, at where the Bulls got him. It was kind of scoffed at at the time, but Williams is awesome. I think that, that he might be somebody that the Mavericks consider going after in the offseason but i think your 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 last note there about that he breaks down some is is interesting hips and any sort of like core like i believe he had a hip injury um injuries just freak me out i mean porzingis is one you know you you can only you can have one guy who you worry about injuries but if, if you're paying a couple of like key rotation players where you're worried about them i mean maybe a game is an 82 game season you got to have guys that are on the floor so there's a little something there I really don't think he gets bought out. Like the Bulls are, you know, the Bulls ended up losing like some horror. I think they lost like the Spurs came back by, oh, it's on ESPN right now. The Spurs were behind by as many as 23 points and lost. The Bulls are going to keep going right until they don't. Um, There's just not a lot of sellers. There's technically 20 playoff teams now. So you're just not going to see this and sort of the calculus of, all right, who's going to be available for a buyout is just not the same as it's been as recently as two years ago. So the Mavericks, I think the the Mavericks kind of came into the season. They didn't spend all their MLE, uh, and they thought that they might be able to get somebody with the leftover money. I think they got too cute with this crap, and they should have signed a good player instead of Willie or Trey Burke, and they're kind of going to pay for that eventually. 
but you know, I I wouldn't mind it even as an off season acquisition, just because you know big rangy wings are unicorns. They're the be- that's just the most talent heavy position. So it'd be something that I that I would at least like. I'd be interested in. I mean, I the Mavericks just need to they just need to sign good players. I think is what it comes down to. There's enough of this, you know, pussyfooting around, waiting with the cap space, yada yada yada. It's it's kind of the kind of where we are with things. Um, any Orlando players, as the chat just mentioned, there's there's just a lot. Mark Green just mentioned, what about our old friend Dougie McDermott? I I kind of think that that Dougie is going to be an off season target too. Um, the, we can put out the the Pocahontas. These white men are dangerous. Gif again, if if Dougie's <laughs> on the floor, I, I I I don't know. I'm I'm the Mavericks have some options, but what they need to do, and we'll talk about this more and more, you know, as the season goes on. The trade deadline is in seven days, and we have a lot kind of that's going to be up in the air. Uh, I I don't want to look too far ahead though. I think there's something you know. Cuban kept talking about continuity. Um, and I hate it, but I also get why there's just, the, there's no reason to sell the farm. People are, you know, everybody pitches trades where it's like you send out another first round pick. And it's not that I want the Mavericks to have the first round picks so they can draft someone. I want the pick so that they can, you know, trade for somebody in the future. I'm not giving up a first round pick for Larry Nance. What planet are people on? Right. We need <laughs> like, to ask. Yeah. It, what is, it, what does Larry was... Nance move the, move the needle for you? It doesn't for me. No. Yeah, that's what I I like. The idea of paying two front court people big money in the sense of the idea of John Collins. The one thing that I I do like about it is he doesn't need to be fed the ball to be good. I think it's worth a shot, but I almost want to take like a like almost a Daryl Morey philosophy in the sense of you get really good players and then ultimately you could flip them at another point. Just like, you know, I, I don't think we should trade. I think we have what our 2025 first. And I heard uh, Kevin O'Connor mention we could take a protection off one of the picks that are sent to the Knicks. Yeah. It's the 2023 would... one at this point. They yeah. have to actually yeah, fail. Able... Yeah. It's a big mess. Yeah, at yeah. this point, we just need to collect as many assets in the offseason so we actually have assets. We have zero assets right now. And yep. I agree about the picks thing. Like, picks are assets. We need to have those for good trades. We shouldn't go into bottom barrel season, which we're in right now. This is, like, one of the worst uh, trade deadline seasons and off seasons we're about to approach. So, like, when, when Rashawn Holmes is, like, the coveted guy in the off season and Norman Powell, you know you're in trouble. Now, those are fine players, but they're not going to move the needle, really. So we have to collect as much as we can, and we're going to have to spend to do it. As long as we, as long as we have a trade if, – if we sign them to at least tradable – uh, contracts in the future, I think we are winning there. So we have something to maneuver because once we do this and Lucas signs his max, then we are going to have no cap flexibility for the next three or four years. So we're going to have to be really diligent about getting as many assets as we can. Sure. Well, my friends, I have taken uh, something to help me go to bed. <laughs> we've been talking for probably 30 minutes longer than i intended to i had a great time hanging out with everybody um here's the deal so i want you to follow me and all my friends here you know follow tim is at uh, house mavericks on twitter uh jesse what's the name of your podcast Uh, kabam mavericks podcast and uh i'm kabam sports on uh on 
you should subscribe to those. You should consider subscribing to Josh and I's podcast, but half the time I'm just a bitchy mess, so I'm not sure if anybody wants to follow Mavs Moneyball. Um, we're all we're all on Twitter at various times. I appreciate everybody hanging out. This is a great time. I'm going to be doing this again Friday afternoon. I'm taking off work. Nobody tell. I'm calling in sick. And so we'll be talking probably for an hour around lunchtime just because, you know, why not? And then they play the Mavericks. Or if the Mavericks play the, the Trailblazers late that night because uh, we're just in the, a, a heinous, like, six-game late-night road trip type thing, which is just going to kill me. And then they play again on Sunday night, also late night. But, uh, you know, we'll have fun. I'll probably, uh, you know, depending on the game, I'll try to do these sometimes. It's really hard to get everything up because I'm also an editor-in-chief of MavsMoneyBall.com. So, everybody, uh, appreciate you hanging out, and we will talk to you uh, soon. Everybody be good. Thanks, Kurt. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.